Bibles tonight, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. Because pastor's out, I get the privilege to uh, preach again this evening, so I appreciate the opportunity he's given me. And uh, I hope this will be a blessing to you tonight. This is something uh, um, God just kind of brought to the forefront of my mind. I, I want to uh, thank you all for your prayers for my grandmother. Uh, she's been going through uh, this time and, and uh, towards the end of her life. Just a quick update. She is at home uh, in hospice care at this time. Um, she's not doing well. Uh, her organs are pretty much uh, shutting down her, her body's in, in the last few days. And uh, so a lot of, lot of fluid, a lot of blood uh, being lost in, in, uh, from inside and um, blood pressure, all the, different, all the signs are there. She's, she's kind of all up and down. She's getting a little more confused uh, about different things and, and the way she's speaking and things. So uh, just continue to pray for the family if you would. But uh, as I was home um, just, a, uh, just last weekend, um, I got to spend some time with a cousin of mine uh, that I had never met. Uh, one of my uncles lives in Guam, and uh, he came back over, and uh, he has a, uh, uh, one of his daughters, and uh, she's been over in Malaysia. She just graduated from high school, and, and uh, she was over there. And uh, my uncle is lost, uh, my uncle that lives in Guam, and uh, he does not know Christ. He's, he's very... Um, um, I don't know, you might even call him an atheist. He just doesn't really believe there's much out there. And uh, so I got uh, the opportunity to spend a little bit of time with, uh, with my cousin, and she definitely is not saved as well, at least from what she has said. And um, it just kind of brought back to my mind. I don't know if they're going to be able to be back for the funeral because of the, the travel. Um, but, uh, you know, my, my heart was I hope they can because I know that there's going to be a gospel presentation at the funeral. Um, but uh, this matter of where we spend eternity, uh, whether, we are in, whether we go to heaven or whether we go to hell, uh, that time of death is very imminent. And uh, so I want to I talk to you tonight about this thought, this is hope. And uh, we'll start right here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Look at verse number 13 this evening. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse number 13, the Bible says this, But I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, or those which have passed away, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And uh, if we go back to verse number 13, the very first verse we read, but I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. It, it's, that verse is not telling us that there is no sorrow in death. There certainly is that, that sorrow. There certainly is that uh, desire to be with your loved ones. And there is sadness when, you, when they part. But it is telling us that in the midst of that sadness, we sorrow not as others sorrow because we have hope. We have a different outlook on, on life. We have a different outlook on what death is. In fact, the Bible here in this passage calls it just falling asleep. 
It's not even that we are, we are dead, that we are non-existent any longer, uh, but our soul has left the body. At death, the soul just goes, goes home to be with the Lord. Uh, when, when Jesus created mankind, he breathed into man a living soul. Not a body. He didn't breathe, and, and he did create a, a body for mankind. Uh, but what we are is we are a soul. And so when death happens, when things happen in our life and somebody passes into eternity, their body stays here on earth, but their soul goes to spend eternity in one of two places. And, and I was just reminded of this truth. And so I want to talk to you tonight a little bit about the fact that this is hope. We, we have a different kind of hope in our life than everybody else in the world, anybody else that does not know Christ as their Savior, because one day I will see my grandmother again. One day we will see our loved ones again. And, and, and so there is sorrow, yes, but we have hope. And that's the theme for this year is there's hope in Jesus Christ. And because of him, I can know and I can have hope that one day I, I'm going to be reunited with my loved ones. I'm going to be reunited with the people that have been lost here on earth if they know Jesus Christ their Savior. So take your Bible, turn over to Revelation chapter 21. We're going to be here for the rest of the evening. Just want to kind of use that as an introduction for tonight. Revelation chapter number 21, and look at verse number 1. Revelation 21, verse number 1. The Bible says this, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Verse 3 says, And I heard a great voice out of heaven, saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with man, with men, and we will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall bring with them and be, and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make, thing, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Look down at verse number 11. Verse 11. Having the glory of God and her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper, jasper stone, clear as crystal, and had a wall great and high, and had twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels and names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. On the, on the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the southern three gates, and on the west three gates, and the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and of them names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city, and the gates thereof, and the wall thereof, and the city lieth four square, and the length as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with a reed, twelve thousand furlongs. The length and breadth and the height of it are equal. And he measured the wall thereof in a hundred and forty and four cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of the angel. And the building of the wall as of what was, it, was of jasper, and of the city was pure gold, like unto clear glass. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third 
a, a Chalcedony, the fourth an emerald, the fifth Sardinox, the sixth Sardius, the seventh Crystallite, the eighth Beryl, the ninth a Topaz, the tenth a uh, Chrysopheris, the eleventh a Jacinth, the twelfth an Amethyst. And the twelve gates were of twelve pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, as it were, transparent glass. I, I don't know about you, but as I read that, I, I get just a, a, a and this is, this is the best that John, as a human being, could put into words of this vision. He's trying to find things here on this earth that equal what he saw in this vision. And really, I don't know if we have anything here on this earth that could compare or that could give us an accurate description of what heaven's going to be like. But tonight, I just want to, to talk to you a little bit about what heaven is. And what should we do in light of what we know about heaven? And so, first, before we jump into the actual outline of this, if you go to the next, next slide, Brother Michael, back there... Um, there, there are three different heavens that are spoken of in Scripture. And so I just want to make sure we are clear on, on, on what we're talking about here, okay? The first heaven, as you see there, the globe is right smack dab in the center of those circles. The first heaven is just the atmosphere. It's the, the, the sky that is above the earth. It's the place where in Genesis chapter number 1, uh, verses, verse 20, it talks about the fact that there, there is the birds. He placed the birds and, and the fowl in this sky, in this heaven that is there. If you drop back down to verse number 16 and 17 of Genesis chapter number 1, it talks about the second heaven, where when he made the sun and he made the lights to light up the earth, he put them in that second heaven. The galaxies were the stars. The Bible says in, in, uh, in uh, Psalms chapter 19, David said, the heavens declare the glory of, the glory of God and the, earth show, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. And then the third heaven is just where God is abiding right now. The Bible says in, in uh, first, Second Corinthians chapter 12, verses 2 through 4, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. Such an one was caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth, how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words which is not lawful for man to utter. So we see the, the third place where, where God dwells, where what the Bible talks about as paradise. We see that word again in uh, the book of um, Luke where, the, the, uh, where Abraham and, and uh, the beggar man, Lazarus, uh, are being talked about. And, uh, and the rich man goes and he asks, what about heaven? And, and, and they both die, they both pass away. The rich man is, is found in Hades or, or hell. The beggar, Lazarus, is found in Abraham's bosom, or paradise, that place where God dwells with us. And so we have these three heavens, but let's look at, at this heaven where God dwells, this place where we will go to reside one day, whether at death or whether at the return of Jesus Christ. And so number one tonight, look at the place. The place. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 4 says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. 
I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. And whither I go ye know, and the way ye know. This place where Christ will one day come back and he will take us to be there if we have not passed away already. The Bible says, let not your heart be troubled. Just like in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the Bible says, comfort ye one another with these words. Because of what we know of heaven, we ought to be able to comfort one another. We ought to be able to not be troubled when somebody, especially if they know Christ, when they pass into this eternity, when they pass from this world. Because they've gone to a better place. They've gone to the place where they are going to spend an eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. So letter A, the, the first thing under this, the, the, the place tonight, let's look at the freshness of heaven. The freshness of heaven. If you look in Revelation chapter 21 where we're at, verses 1 through 5 talk about this freshness. It talks about a, a new heaven and a new earth. That, that the old earth, the first earth, was passed away and there was no more sea. And then in verse number 5, he that sat upon the throne, Behold, I will make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. There's a freshness about heaven because it's going to be new. It's going to be what God intended probably the earth to be before sin came into it. Although I believe it's going to be better. He put mankind in a garden where we're going to walk on streets of gold. And if we look, we'll get to this city and the dimensions and all the building products and everything about, the, about heaven in just a minute. But the freshness, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. There's also going to be a new life. If you look down at verse number 4, the Bible says, God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. All that we know, all that we are familiar with right here on this earth right now, we'll have no idea about when we get to heaven. It's all going to be passed away. Everything is going to be new. Everything is going to be fresh. We're going to have a new body. We're going to have no more pain. If, you're, you, know, if you deal with pain, if you deal with chronic pain, uh, Brother Ken, is he still in? Did he actually go? Brother Ken deals with, with pain all the time. He's not going to have any pain when he gets to heaven. Many of you deal with, with difficult times. My grandmother's been dealing with pain for the last two or three months. She had, a, she had a major infection in her throat. She couldn't eat for the last two months before she went to the hospital. There's not going to be any more pain for anybody when they get to heaven. There's not going to be anything to sorrow about. There's not going to be anything to tear up about. We are going to have all things new. Everything is going to be fresh when we reach heaven's shore. No more tears, no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. There's not going to be anything to worry about. The only thing we're going to have to worry about is focusing on Jesus Christ who gave us eternal life. There's a freshness, but let's look at the dimensions of this city. As we read through this, the dimensions of this are absolutely phenomenal. And again, this is based on as much human information as we can get. Um, I'm going to give you some, some different numbers here, and I don't do this just to like, make you go out of your mind bonkers with, with a bunch of numbers, but uh, I found it very fascinating. 12,000 furlongs is what the Bible says that this city is. 
12,000 furlongs. The best estimate that I could find what would be equal to that, that's equal to about 1,500 miles. 1,500 miles. You find that in verse number 16. 12,000 furlongs is equal to about 8 million feet. 8 million feet if you cube it, because that's what heaven is going to be. It's going to be one giant cube, square, completely equal on all sides. If you cube that, heaven is going to be 512 quintillion cubic feet. That's 512 with 3, 6, 9, 12, 15, 18 zeros after it. That's a lot of square footage. It's going to have to be after 10,000 years of people going to be there. But heaven, I mean, if you think about the size, I, I put some, some different places in here just to kind of give us an idea. Ancient Alexandria, what they say is about 30 furlongs. Heaven is 12,000 furlongs. Jerusalem is equal to about 33 furlongs. Babylon, Bible times, 120 furlongs. London, England today is 325 furlongs. New York City, 400 furlongs. The base of the city, when we get to heaven, would reach from Maine to Florida, from the Atlantic Ocean to Pikes Peak in Colorado, if you take it by these dimensions. It takes me, if I drive from here, it would take me about 32 hours to get to Denver, Colorado. Pikes Peak is just south of there. That's heaven. That's what we're going to be going to. It, it is a massive place, but it's something that God is preparing for us. The wall, if you think about the wall that is there, um, it's 144 cubits, the Bible says, in verse number 17. It's equal to about 210 feet tall. The gates were not given specific uh, dimensions for in Scripture. But it does say, we'll, see, we'll get there in just a minute, but it does say that they are made out of one pearl per gate. Twelve gates. And, and if you think about 120 feet at the wall, I would think the gate is going to be at least as tall as the wall is going to be. You think of a pearl that size. One pearl. And the gate's been carved out of that pearl. We don't have anything on this earth to compare to what we're going to see when we reach heaven. And yet God has prepared all of that for you and for me, sinful people, because he loves us. Number two, or, or I'm sorry, the next thing here, let us see the building materials. What's used to build this city? If we look down at verse number 18, the Bible says the buildings of the wall were of jasper, and the city was a pure gold like unto clear glass. And it gives us 12 foundations, each one of them made out of something different. I put in your notes tonight the, the best thing that I could find of those 12 stones as far as what they look like here on earth, or the best representation that we have of them. The wall, again, verse number 18, is measured that the foundation that we're given, verse 19 through 20, 12 different foundations, all made of something different, all made of a different type of stone. All, all, if you think about, if you could look at the outside of this and you could see 12 different complete total foundations of this. The, the, the size that I just gave you from Maine to Florida, from the Atlantic to Pikes Peak, 
a foundation made out of solid whatever the stone is. All the way down. You've got 12 different levels, 12 different colors, 12 different things that are just glowing with glory from God. And that's what we're going to. That's what you and I are going to be walking around on. That's what we get to experience for the rest of eternity is that kind of glory with the Lord Jesus Christ. The gates, there's 12 of them, three on each side, all made of a single pearl, and they are never, ever shut. The Bible says that. It, 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 they're, they're never, and that speaks really of God's openness and God's grace and God's mercy that all are welcome to heaven if they receive him. He is the way, the truth, and the life. The gates of heaven are wide open to allow anybody who would enter in as long as they put their faith and trust in Him. And that's what we get to experience. That's just a, a, a picture. The, the best that I could come up with as far as a human picture of what heaven is going to be like. I don't know about you, but, but it, to me, I, I, almost, I almost feel guilty even talking about it because I feel like I can't do justice to it. There's nothing here on this earth that compares to what we'll see. And that's not even the most important part of heaven. That's what heaven is made out of, but the most important part is that we're spending time with Jesus Christ. He is the glory of heaven. The materials, everything that's there, although it's magnificent, although it's sometimes in our human comprehending, we think, wow, that's amazing. But when we get to heaven, we're not going to care what the street's made out of. We're not going to care what the foundations look like. We're not going to care how tall the walls are. The only care in the world that we're going to have when we get there is Jesus Christ and all that he has done for us. Number two, let's see the people. The people that are going to be in heaven. Because according to the Bible, first of all, all the saved are going to be there. Every single person who has put their faith and trust in Christ that moment of salvation, they will be in heaven. There's not one chance ever in this world, the Bible says, that any, any person or anything on this earth will be able to separate them from the love of Jesus Christ. Their name is put in the Lamb's book of life, and nothing can blot that out. Not even Jesus Christ himself can blot a name out of the Lamb's book of life. So every person that has put their faith and trust in Christ at any point in time is going to be in heaven. If you want to go to heaven, if you're not sure that is going to be your eternal home, then settle that tonight. If you want to experience a place like we're describing here, like the Bible describes for us, the first thing you must do if you want to be able to go there is you have to put your faith and trust in Christ. You must receive Him as your Savior and be saved. Become a new creature in Christ. Be born again, the Bible says in John chapter 3. So all the saved are going to be there. But the Bible also talks about the fact that we will know other people when we get there. We'll have knowledge of those people that are there. That's one reason I know that I'm going to see my grandmother again. Because the Bible talks about that. I actually had, we were, we were talking this, this morning in Sunday school, and one of the teenagers came up to me or, or asked me if we're going to be able to know people in heaven. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 8, verse number 11, And I say unto you, that many shall come from the east and the west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. 
we're going to have the opportunity to go and spend time with those patriarchs. Those people that God gave the original promises to, that if they left their homeland and left, that he would promise them an eternal home with him. And they followed him by faith. I'm going I'm to I'm know exactly who Abraham is when I get there. I'm going to know who Isaac is. I'm going to know who Jacob is. I believe I'm going to be able to sit down and, and say, David, what was it like killing Goliath? We're going to know those people when we get to heaven. And Jesus even told us right there that we're going to know, we're going to be able to walk, we're going to be able to sit with them when we get to the kingdom of heaven. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 22 through 23, David said this, and he said, While the child was yet alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, Who can tell, another, tell whether God will be gracious to me that the child may live? But now is he dead, wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. This is the child that, that David uh, had with Bathsheba. It was taken from him as a result of his sin. And David mourned for that child. But there came a point in David's life where he said, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry for the sin, I'm sorry for the consequences of the sin, I'm sorry I lost my child, but he's in heaven. Why, sh why should I be sorrowing? Why should I be weeping? Why should I be fasting any longer? God has more things for me to do here on earth, and one day I will be with him again. He's not going to come back to me, but I will be with my child again. And I believe we'll know our family. I believe we'll know our loved ones that have gone on before us, or, or some of you maybe have even buried your children. And you'll know those children when you get to heaven again. The people that will be there are all the saints of God, all those people who have placed their faith and trust in Him. And we will know one another uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt. Number three, look at the promptness. The promptness. When do we get to go to heaven? When do we get to go to heaven? When we die or the Lord comes back? If we die, we are going to be immediately, immediately in the presence of Jesus Christ. There's a promptness about death. When it comes, we're going to be immediately with him. If Jesus Christ comes back to this earth, uh, like we read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, when he comes back and he descends with a shout with the trump of God and the voice of the archangel, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds, but the dead in Christ will rise first. There's going to be a promptness. It, it's not going to take us light years to get through space to where Jesus Christ is. When he comes back and that trumpet sounds, we are going to be immediately gone and we're going to be immediately in his presence. Dead in Christ, we're going to get a little bit of a head start. But we're all going to meet there in the clouds. We're all going to meet in the air. We're all going to be together with the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5.8 says, We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. Philippians chapter 1, verse 23 says, For I am in a strait betwixt two, Paul said, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. I heard uh, uh, Brother Alton Beal has preached here a couple of times, uh, the president of the college that I graduated from. Uh, he preached a message on that passage, and, and he said what Paul was saying is he's between a rock and a hard place. 
I'm in a straight betwixt two. I'm stuck between two decisions. Am I going to stay here on earth and serve God? Or am I going to go to be with Christ, which is far better? He wanted to go and be with Christ, but that was not God's will for him at that time. But one day we will all see Christ, and that is the best thing that we can look for. In fact, Paul said in another passage that I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me at that day. We ought to be looking to Jesus Christ. We ought to be focusing on Him and His appearing. Man is not a body, but rather a soul. Genesis 2.7 says, God created man in His own image and breathed in His nostrils, and He became a living soul. When that person dies, like we said at the beginning, his soul and his spirit leave his body, and they go to be immediate with Christ. There's a promptness at that point in time. There's not going to be any waiting around. There's not going to be standing in line. There's not going to be even wondering what our time is. We are all going to be in the presence of Jesus Christ. In London, England, there is an unusual tombstone for a man named Solomon Pease. This man left instructions for this to be put on his tombstone when he died. On his tombstone it reads, Beneath these clouds and beneath these trees lies the body of Solomon Pease. This is not Pease, it is only his pod. Pease is shelled out and gone home to be with God. Sometimes I, I, I kind of think, man, it would be great to have a name like Solomon Peace. <laughs> that, that really is the truth of it. We're, we're not here. When, when we die or when Christ comes back, it, it, our body may be here, but that's it. It's just a shell, it's just the outward. It's not who we really are, and our soul is going to be immediately with Jesus Christ. What should this knowledge of heaven, then, what's what's the point of all this? Why did God put in Scripture this great description and all these passages that talk about heaven? What's the point of it all? Hope, peace, comfort, certainly. What's the main thrust of this month, the main thrust of what we've been trying to accomplish here at our church recently? To share it. If you know about a place as awesome as heaven is going to be, and if you know about a person named Jesus Christ that is going to be there waiting for us, what should we be doing? Telling people. The whole, you know, again, heaven is going to be awesome. The place of heaven, we've seen the description, we've seen everything that's in these pages, but that's not the purpose of heaven. That's not the purpose why John wrote this. The purpose was not to amaze and astound us with what heaven is going to look like and what it's going to be made out of and how big it's going to be. The reason John wrote that was to give us an awareness to say, okay, if I know about a place like that, I should want to go there, first of all, and then I should want to take as many people as I possibly can along with me. The whole purpose of of heaven, and and that's kind of what I came to realize when I was was sitting there in a hospital room in Denver, Colorado, sitting there listening to uh, my cousin who has studied uh, Buddhism and Hinduism and doesn't really believe that there's anything after life. That there, there, there is something powerful out there and there is some reason why we're all here and, 
and, and that we're going to come back as something else. But that's it. According to 1 Thessalonians, that's, that's not hope. That's not the hope that we have and we can be anchored with. The hope that we have is I'm going to be with Jesus Christ. The hope that I have is this heaven that is spoken of is mine. I'm going to walk on those shores. I'm going to walk on those stones. I'm going to walk on those streets. I hope there's a little bit of impurity in there because otherwise we won't be able to see where we're going. Or they're solid floors. I don't know what it's going to be like. If it's just a bridge over somewhere and it's crystal clear, I don't know, maybe we're going to have different eyes or something to be able to see. But according to the Bible, you're not going to be able to see through it. You're, I mean, you're not going to be able to see it. It's so pure, it's so clear, it's like crystal, it's like glass. But the whole purpose of all of that, about all of heaven, is to give us one thing, and that's to say, okay, I'm going to go out, I'm going to find as many people as I can to take with me. We're going to know people that are there. Why would we not want to have a plethora of people that I know that I have led to Christ, that I have shared the gospel with, that one day when they get there, they're going to say, hey, Brother Gilbert led me to Christ. I'm here because somebody, because Brother Gilbert told me. I'm here because uh, Brother Flynn talked to me. I'm here because somebody put a, cared enough to, to hand me just a gospel track or leave something on my door that told me about the place called heaven. Heaven is going to be a wonderful place, make no mistake. But the glory of heaven is Jesus Christ. And he's the purpose. And if he is the purpose, he said when he was here on earth, I'm going to go, but I'm going to send a comforter. And so now you need to do what I was doing here on earth. You need to go into all the world and preach the gospel. You need to go in the world and make disciples. You need to go in the world and baptize. You need to go into all the world and bring people to Christ. I'm not going to be here anymore. That is our job. That is our mission. Heaven is all about the fact that I can know there is a place I can go to that is amazing. But I should want to take some people with me. Don't look at people as you go out in the community, as you go about your daily lives, don't just look at people as people. Look at them as souls. Look at them as people that are spending an eternity of one of two places. And if we don't open our mouth, if we don't let some words come between our lips to tell them about Christ and tell them about heaven, they're going to spend an eternity in an awful place. A place that's dark. A place that's burning. A place that nobody wants to go. Our job is to take people to that place that God has called heaven, that God has said, this is an awesome place. This is a place that is beautiful, but it's a place where I'm residing. It's a place where you can reside, and it's a place where other people can reside if they put their faith and trust in me. So what should our knowledge teach us? God has prepared enough room. If we look at the dimensions of the city, God has prepared enough room for all. There's so much room in heaven. We could spend another 100,000 years on this earth and we wouldn't exhaust the, the, the place that God has created. What should it cause us to do? Should we not tell other people of this wonderful place as we go about our lives? If you want to spend an eternity in heaven, I would think somebody else would as well. So let's tell them. Let's take some people with us.
when we get to go to this place that God has designed, that God has prepared for us. This place called heaven, this place that God says is absolutely amazing, but it's a place where I'm going to be with him. So let's take some other people with us when we go. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the day you've given us. Lord, we love you. Lord, I'm so very grateful that you have given us your word. I'm thankful that you have prepared a place for us. I'm thankful that you have told us about that place. And, and Lord, we certainly cannot do any justice, humanly speaking, uh, of what heaven is truly going to be like. Lord, I pray that you would help us just to realize that in this place is where you are. And Lord, I pray that you just help us to get just a glimpse and just a, a desire in our hearts that because of how amazing and how beautiful and how awesome this place is, that we should want to go there and we should want to take some people with us. Lord, help us to do everything that we possibly can to witness, to tell others, that we would not let anyone that we know, anyone that we have influence over, escape this earth or, or pass into eternity without at least knowing about heaven. Lord, may you give us just a, a fervor and just a desire to share the gospel, to share the good news of this place with other people. Lord, I pray you do something special in our midst tonight as you've worked in hearts, and I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.